And of course, for all my listeners in the Georgia area, you can come out to Booch Fest at the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The next two shows will be Thursday, December 8th, and Thursday, December 22nd. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time. All comedy acts, no matter how long they've been performing, are welcome to be in this show. So come on down for a great night of comedy as the Booch is taking over Kennesaw. And on December 10th, Combat Pro Wrestling presents Seasons Beatings at Eastside High School. Located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event. And the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are the Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young Devin Cruz, from AEW Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0 Dave Wills, it's still real to me damn it, the All-American Blue Chipper Chase Emery, Buckshot Brian Brock, NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night Smackdown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolic, Tyson Maddox. The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage. And many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina, as we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School Weightlifting Department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking games. It's the Newsmaker Line Comedy Show, Saturday, December 3rd at Tavern at Medlock. Featuring comedian Jim Gossett from The Rob Carson Show. There is nobody more talented as far as uh, making magic than Mr. Gossett. It's a fun-filled night of comedy, impressions, and brand new parody songs. They owe their soul to the voting machine. The Newsmaker Line Comedy Show, Saturday, December 3rd at Tavern at Medlock. For tickets or more information, visit NewsmakerLine.com or call 678-829-SHOW. That's 678-829-SHOW.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again with the NFL talk. And of course, we can't do the NFL talk without the NFL Explorers. So it's my honor to welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the incredibly talented, Mr. Lance Goodman. Lance, welcome back to the show. Man, thank you very much, Vinny, for having me on. I hope that everybody had a great Thanksgiving and holiday weekend full of sports, full of football. How was yours, Vinny? Mine was great. Um, I got an unexpected phone call from a Buff. We hadn't talked in a while. He um, he invited me over to his house for Thanksgiving. Um, it was well, it was actually it was his niece's house. So we all kind of hung out. They had this. They had this thing I never I never seen before. Like I've seen I've seen it like on TV, but never like in real life. Like and I think it kind of reminded me of that scene in The Blind Side where uh, they all have this like big like buffet of stuff and they're all sitting there watching football. It was literally like a mimic of that. And I didn't. The only family I ever met that does that. It was not, nothing bad. It was just like I was so used to like the Thanksgiving where everybody's at the table and now all of a sudden there's like a buffet they got like turkey and somehow they had Chick-fil-A is Chick I don't know has Chick-fil-A ever been open on Thanksgiving? <laughs> I, I I don't think so I don't because <laughs> oh, I'm seeing like Chick-fil-A so. lemonade and Chick-fil-A nuggets and I'm like did they buy this in advance? like I'm trying to it was it, it was great overall it was great and we did see some of the games uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was wonderful wonderful same thing always a good time to just relax eat tons of food um, chill out with the family watch tons of football so yeah very relaxing time just try not to get too spoiled you know you have a weekend like that and uh makes you spoiled makes you not want to work anymore so uh <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more man it definitely is and uh uh and speaking of thanksgiving um i remember we were watching i think it was the detroit lions game and i saw something interesting that and someone and buff brought this to my attention so i thought this would be something interesting we could talk about they were talking about i think i think the guy's name is bagley he's one he's like the field goal kicker for the detroit lions and mm-hmm. while they were playing at one point one of the commentators said that he was a former quarterback that became a kicker and all of a sudden Buff was like wait that's a thing and I'm like what are you talking about he said apparently when you're a kicker 90% of the time like you're at practice all you're doing is practicing field goal kicking that's pretty much all you're doing and then the only time they uh, practice with the team is when the coach wants to run like special teams plays and stuff So he's, and Buff said he used to be a quarterback when he played for Sprayberry High School and he said that a quarterback to a kicker is a weird transition to go to so I was just curious maybe give a take on this is it common for a quarterback to suddenly become a kicker, or is that something like completely out of the blue? Is that something is that like how does that transition work? Yeah, I, I would think. I mean, you hear all the time that guys uh, change positions, but that is usually amongst the high school or college level. So I'm not sure when he made his change. But uh, even though uh, being a field goal kicker is the least strenuous job, they spend the least amount of time on the field. I think it's fair to say that it may be up there with the most skilled position in football. Uh, just walking outside and kicking a 40-yard field goal is not something the average person or football player can do. So I would say that transition is very weird. It just depends on how long ago it happened. But I rarely hear, like in a year span, that, you know, there's a college, big-time college recruit, he's a quarterback, and then the following season, he's a kicker. So it'll be real interesting to see exactly when he made that transition because it is more common to go from a wide receiver to a quarterback or a wide receiver to a defensive back or even a linebacker to a tight end. But you rarely hear someone going from a quarterback to a kicker especially in a short time span yeah and I, that and like cause I didn't even think about it until he said that and it kind of blew me away and I was like as soon as he said that I immediately wrote that down like I literally like I, I, I literally wrote all that down I'm typing it all up and I'm like I gotta ask Lance this so it's, what you saying before about how Thanksgiving makes you not want to work I, I didn't think on Thanksgiving I'd be working but I'm hearing so many conversations I'm like okay type this type this type this so I, I wound up working and didn't even know it <laughs> That's the way it goes. And we had a great show uh, that actually aired last Thursday, too, to get everybody uh, prepared for Thanksgiving. And uh, let's check out how those titles results uh, wound out, Vinny. On Thanksgiving, you were talking about the Buffalo and Detroit game. uh, Started the day off. Very exciting game. Came down to the wire, which is definitely what we've become accustomed to seeing with the Detroit Lions. But I think in the end, the better team, the Buffalo Bills, won. I think the big news really coming out of that game. I think people getting a chance to see Detroit on a national stage for many for the first time this year get a chance to see that Detroit is a 
good football team. Um, they have a lot of good young pieces there. Just have not found a way to finish football games. That is really their Achilles heel. But they came into that game on the three-game uh, win streak and are much, much better. So I think at least if you are seeing, if you saw the Lions for the first time this year or you're a Detroit Lions fan, uh, certainly you don't take solace and moral victories, but you feel good or better about the Lions that you see now as opposed to the Lions maybe a four or five years ago. Uh, but Detroit's still a team trying to shake that tag and just being one of those teams who can get to the finish line but not cross. As for Buffalo, the big news really coming out of that football game was the injury to uh, defensive end Von Miller. Uh, came over this offseason for the Rams, was a big part of the Rams winning the Super Bowl last year. Uh, he left that game with a knee injury. His status right now is up in the air. Um, it looks like he avoided the worst, which would be a season-ending ACL injury, but they're going to look back at that injury in the next 7 to 10 days. Um, he will not be available for the Bills' big game this week on Thursday Night Football in Detroit, but uh, Buffalo came out of that game victorious, and uh, that, that game was very exciting to start the day. Uh, Dallas and the Giants. Uh, I think that one, the, the last touchdown by the Giants, made that game appear a little more closer than what it was. Dallas was really in control of that game from beginning to end. Dallas certainly has emerged as one of the top teams in the NFC right now, next to the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers, and along with the Minnesota Vikings, who we'll touch on in a second. I think the thing that I like about Dallas, if you're a Cowboys fan as well, the balance of this team. Uh, this is the first time in a long time, Vinny, that, that Dallas has had a good top 10 defense in back-to-back -back years. Over the last decade for Dallas, it's been one or the other. It's either been they've had a very uh, good high-scoring offense and a suspect defense, or they've had a good defense and their offense uh, wasn't there. And uh, this is the first time uh, in a while that I would say the Cowboys, for a fact, are one of the most balanced teams in the NFL, starting on the defensive side of the football. You know, outside linebacker Makai Parsons in his second year, uh, he is doing the type of damage and making the type of impact that we've seen from TJ Watt, from Aaron Donald, from Nick Bosa, uh, from some of the top defensive players to come into the league. Uh, JJ Watt, when he first came into the NFL, you know, maybe 10 to 12, 15 years ago. But Makai Parsons, in his second year at outside linebacker, is having that type of impact on this defense where he is a game wrecker. And then offensively, when you look at the balance between uh, the one-two punch of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard uh, at wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Gallup, uh, Dallas doing a nice job right now using their tight ends. So I love the balance that I'm seeing on Dallas's team right now. And uh, they are certainly peaking at the right time. As for the Giants, I think that things are coming down to life for them a little bit. You know, after the, what was it, six and one or seven and two start, uh, they've lost two straight games and teams have really committed uh, to making sure that running back Saquon Barkley, uh, who came into uh, the week, uh, the game, the week prior when they lost at home to Detroit, he came into that game as the only running back in the NFL, Vinny, averaging over 100 yards rushing uh, per game. So the last two weeks at home against Detroit, 15 carries, 22 yards, nothing going in Dallas. So I think teams are selling out right now to make sure that running back Saquon Barkley uh, doesn't hurt them on the ground and they'll take their chances with quarterback Daniel Jones. And he really doesn't have a, a lot of talent at wide receiver. So it certainly makes sense why teams would go that way. Uh, so for the Giants now in a two-game skid for the first time this season, uh, they're going to be real interesting to see if they can rebound. They are still very, very much alive uh, in a playoff hunt in the NFC. And then we talked about Minnesota. New England, that was the final game on a Thursday night. Another great game that came down to the wire. That was the thing that was so exciting to me, Vinny. All three Thanksgiving games were very exciting and fun games to watch. Minnesota came out on top, 33-26. to 26. There was a really controversial play uh, in that game where I had to literally look up the letter of the law to find out what the difference was. And late in that game, New England tight end Hunter Henry caught a pass, uh, reached the ball out over the goal line, which at that point, we thought it was a touchdown. But as he hit the ground, the ball did hit the ground. It moved, but he had possession of the football when it was moving. So this was a real tricky call. Uh, the key to this, Vinny, when I went and looked at what the rule states. So it says that if a person or I should say a football player is in possession of the football as a runner and they reach the ball out over the goal line, then at that point, the play stops and it's a touchdown. But in this particular case with Henry, he was not a runner. He was someone who was catching the football. So when he reached the football out over the goal line, it did not count as a touchdown because he was in the middle of making the catch. And then once the ball hit the ground and it moved, at that point, it's deemed incomplete. So that really ended up being the difference. And otherwise, which was a really great game. Uh, if you're
you're a New England Patriots fan, you know now there is no more room for error. Uh, you have to win this game this week on Thursday night football against Buffalo or with four weeks left in the season, your playoff hopes are looking next to none. As for Minnesota, I think you're just happy that you can, your team is figuring out ways to continually win close ball games, but they have to tighten up. They look like a team that even though they're almost a shoe in to win their division and host a playoff game, uh, they're a team that has been winning close games all year long. And you just wonder, is that something that is going to be sustainable? Uh, moving on to Sunday's games, Vinny, where we had, we'll start right here at home. The Atlanta Falcons lost a tough one on the road to Washington, 19 to 13. Did you get a chance to see any of that game or were there any other games on Sunday that caught your attention? Yes, uh, I did see some of the, the Washington game. Um, I remember um, we saw some of it because um, uh, while we were uh, at WrestleCade at one point, uh, we stopped at this uh, Texas Roadhouse uh, to get some dinner and they had like the games on. And I was just, I'm sitting there like, and I was just sitting there like, I'm eating, I'm, I'm eating the cheeseburger. I wasn't paying attention at the moment. Uh, and all of a sudden I hear, all of a sudden I hear Buff yell, God, the Falcons suck. I'm like, what? And he said, and I think he saw where Washington deflected the pass, the interception, the end zone that caused the Falcons to lose the game when they were dominating. And he goes, it's one of those examples where like the Falcons, every, it's, it's almost to the point where like they're becoming like the choke artists of the NFL. Cause it's like every time they're on the verge of like a big victory, something happens. Like it's, it's almost like, it's like they have some kind of Bambino curse, but I don't know what to call it. Like, like at least when Boston screwed up, they had a they had a name for it. They had an excuse. I don't I don't know what the Falcons have. Like, what bad luck did they get? I don't know what it is. But I've always found that fascinating. But the one thing one thing that definitely caught my attention. We were talking before about tricky calls, and obviously I'll get to some other stuff. But I just want I want to get a quick question on this. At one point during the Seahawks Raiders game, I'm seeing Jacobs running down the field. He's like dodging people and all this other stuff. And at one point he goes for what the commentators called the stiff arm, but it looked like he grabbed the face mask of the other guy as he was running. So I don't know if you you caught that, and I was just curious, like, was that a stiff arm or was that a face mask? Cause I, or, and and if it's not, how do you tell the difference? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure he grabbed the face mask when he ran. Yeah, so this is what always makes, especially when it comes to football, uh, really make things tricky. So all the referees are taught the same rules. It's just a matter of how the referee sees it at that particular point in time in the game. And sometimes they are making calls that unfortunately are correct when you go by the letter of the law. Um, I feel like there has to be some gray area in some of these situations to where we have to use common sense as in terms of intent. Um, in regards to what you're speaking with, this is something that I think I have seen the league and referees make a better attempt to try to fix. And that is the defensive guys are the one who referees have their eyes set on for when it comes to grabbing a face mask, when it comes to uh, lunging at a player, when it comes to um, leading with the top or the crown of their helmet to make a hit. Uh, on the offensive side of the football, as you said, a lot of times when these players, typically a runner, is using a stiff arm, which for those of us who, you know, may not know exactly what the term is or how it's used. So basically you're running and as the defender is getting close and trying to grab you, you are extending your arm out to basically keep some distance, push them in the chest. A lot of times the helmet, because you're running full speed, you don't have time to, you know, try to make a perfect location on a defender's chest. You just sticking your arm out and they call it a stiff arm because basically your arm is straight out. And obviously you are um, trying to hold off the resistance coming in. So you're running, somebody's getting close to you, you stiff arm them, you hold your arm out to basically try to keep them at distance or bay. And what happens is um, more and more, these offensive players are actually grabbing the face mask of these oncoming defenders who are trying to stiff arm them. Like you said with Josh Jacobs, it is something that is unintentional yeah. because again, a stiff arm is just a natural uh, reaction that if you're running, I mean, even if you weren't playing football, but if you were just running away from somebody at a park playing the game, they were getting close to you, maybe trying to get something out of your right hand, uh, you would just extend your left hand by nature to just try to keep them at bay, to just try to keep them at a distance from getting it from you. So that's what these uh, ball carriers are doing. But again, unfortunately, sometimes they are actually uh, hitting the defenders in the helmet and actually grabbing their face mask. And I would say about 40% of the time it's called. But often, as you've seen it with Josh Jacobs, it is not called. And then again, it is really has to do with the officials, the referees um, are trained and are more have a keen eye looking for defenders to be grabbing offensive guys' uh, face masks as opposed to offensive guys. So yes, Vinny, that was a grab of the face mask by uh, Josh Jacobs. I'm pretty sure if you look across the 
NFL and we watched every single play, it's probably one play a game uh, that you have somebody on each team, an offensive guy probably extending out and unintentionally during a stiff arm, kind of latching onto the defender's face mask for a moment, and you just don't see it called as frequent. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and like you said, just for the record, I'm not saying that a face mask is what he was intentionally trying to do. I'm just saying from the angle that I saw it, it looked that way. So I'm I'm, I'm not trying to say he was intentionally or unintentionally doing that for the listeners out there. I just I just wanted to see if maybe you saw something I didn't or clarified. So I appreciate that. Um, also I will say what I noticed was um I look I think I think Hurts from the Eagles was amazing. Like you know like the dudes like out like two QB sneaks for a first down I thought was uh, impressive. Uh, Josiah Scott's interception was great. Um, AJ Dillon had an amazing touchdown run. I love that. And then Walker had a fumble recovery and damn near scored, which I thought was also amazing. Like I this is a fumble week. I noticed that a lot. <laughs> like uh yeah at one point uh Derrick Henry has a catch heading for the end zone. He fumbles the ball, but Burks recovers it for the touchdown. And I'm like, I think Henry should thank God every moment, every second of every day that Burks was there to recover that. Because I swear to God, if the other team had gotten the ball, like I don't think Derrick Henry would be able to make it back to the sidelines. I think everybody would be cussing him out as soon as he got there. Because he was literally at the goal line and fumbles the ball. And I'm like, if it were me, I would rather fumble the ball in the middle of the field than go all the way to the end zone and mess it up. It's like the middle of the field is like, okay, you know, things happen, you know, slips out and everything. But if you're like right like in in the goal line, like really like close to it and you fumble, that's just sad. Especially when there was nobody around. I, to my knowledge, I didn't see a lot of people around him. So I thought that was funny. And um, I, I definitely think if the if the Bengals by some miracle make it to the Super Bowl, uh, Perrine is going to be the MVP, I think, of the, of the Cincinnati, of the Bengals. He's the MVP right now because every time I see every time I see a Bengals game, he's the guy that is running through everybody, standing out. Like, I don't know how you can tackle this guy. I just, that, I'm, I'm fascinated by him. And I'm usually, usually the Bengals are a team that I'm not paying attention to, but as a Broncos fan, I'm like, can we get him? I, I definitely want him. Like, if we get, if we can get somebody from the Bengals, I want that guy because he is just a beast on the field. And I saw uh, another amazing catch with Burke, uh, despite the, the roughing the passer penalty, which I, that, as a wrestler, as a wrestling fan, I like that because, like, it's like when Burke caught the ball and the guy did the roughing the passer, it looked like he was doing a German suplex, which, um, for those that don't, for, for anybody that doesn't know, a German suplex is when you grab a guy around the waist and you kind of, and he kind of goes over your head and lands on either his head or the back of his neck. And the way he was grabbing him and the way he went over, it looked like a German suplex. So I was kind of like, oh, that's, that's definitely roughing the passer. Um, I like from the Browns, I like the Schwartz going to touchdown with a double reverse because I think double reverse is one of my favorite plays to see. I love that. Uh, cause of course, Cooper with the 46 yard, uh, catch and run in overtime. Um, I love how the Seahawks scored early with the help of that interception and the Raiders used a flea flicker, which again, that's a play I don't see often, but definitely love that. Um, I, the Jets fumbling the ball during a field goal attempt and gave it just pretty much gave it back to Chicago. That, that's something I don't see every day. Uh, Rams with a fake punt for the first down I thought was genius. And Baltimore has an epic fumble that almost gave Jacksonville the ball, but the out-of-bounds call saved them. And I thought that was another moment where I'm like, that was a close call. So that was mostly what stood out to me this week. Yeah, and I'll just piggyback off some of the things you were speaking about in no particular order. Uh, Jalen Hurts leading the Philadelphia Eagles to a home victory over Green Bay, 40-33. to Very exciting game from beginning to end, back and forth, action-packed nonstop. Uh, when you look at Philadelphia right now in the driver's seat in the NFC, 10-1. and um, If they can remain healthy, uh, they have a couple big tests coming up down the stretch run. Obviously, uh, the teams that they're going to be playing against uh, certainly are going to have some playoff implications as well. So they still have to play the Giants, who are currently in their division in the playoff hunt. They have another trip out to Dallas, who they beat earlier this year, but that game was without Dak Prescott. I think that's going to be their biggest test. And then they also still have to play the Washington Commanders again. Uh, excuse me, no, they didn't. They beat them early in the season. I apologize. But Philadelphia right now, impressive. In the driver's seat, I say if you have any concern about Philadelphia right now, this is going to be for all playoff teams. The number one thing that you're trying to do right now, if you have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs, and right now we can kind of see those teams starting to distance themselves a little bit from the non-playoff teams. And even though it may not look that way record-wise right now, we can certainly see it playing out on the field. So the, the name of the game is staying healthy. Besides that, if you are looking at Philadelphia, your concern right now is defensive. Starting off the year, this was a dominant unit. You look at the last couple weeks and that defense is starting to give up a lot of big plays. So that's going to be your concern. But Jalen Hurts uh, in his third year, one of the MVP candidates playing at a high level, that Eagles offense moving full steam ahead. Uh, if you're Green Bay right now, you come out of that game with more question marks uh, outside of a great effort to costly Aaron Rodgers interceptions. Uh, yet again, uh, uh, helped this team to come up short. Uh, I don't know if
if those game those plays uh, ultimately decided the game, but they certainly were game changing plays. When you look at the final score, Green Bay losing by seven, and one of those interceptions by Rodgers was just a flat out bad read. The safety baited him in. It was in the red zone. If you're Green Bay right now, you have a slim, and I mean very slim, chance at making the playoffs, but you cannot afford to lose another game. And I think that is the biggest issue for them with five games left to go. Um, man, it's going to be impossible, uh, almost impossible to run the table. And even if you do a, what uh, what are they right now? I think four and eight. So basically a nine and eight record is what you're hoping to get you in. So very slim pickings and to make matters worse, Aaron Rodgers came out of that game uh, with a rib injury. And so uh, right now his status for Sunday is up in the air. But if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, uh, you know that you have one life left to live. And so uh, each game certainly is going to count for them. We talked about Atlanta and Washington. I think you're right. You know, both of those teams are really mirror images of each other. All their games come down to the wire. In this particular case, uh, Washington was able to hold on. Uh, may be a little bit of universal karma for them because they had a game earlier this year, Vinny, at home, same situation. But they were losing 20-17 to 17 to the Titans. Had the ball on the three-yard line, end up throwing an interception. That was Carson Wentz at the time to let the Titans hold on. This time, she was on the other foot. Atlanta right down there and ready to score before a ball gets tipped in the air and it's intercepted and Atlanta loses. And you're right, Vinny. I think it's just, man, ever since the uh, Falcons blew that 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl to New England, that has really been the plight of this team, a team that um, is competitive. I mean, I think if you're a Falcons fan, at least at this point, mathematically, you're still alive. You look in your division at 5-7. and seven, You're only one game behind Tampa Bay to be in first place. So uh, you certainly are, despite uh, probably having known that you have a, a, a above average team at best, you at least still feel good about that. You know what? Your team legitimately has a realistic, not fake chance of winning their division. And um, you just know that they're a team that, like you said, Benny, man, they're always in close games. Sometimes they end up on top. Like we see an exciting game when they won at home against Carolina a couple weeks ago. Uh, sometimes they end up on the short end of the stick, like we've seen a couple weeks ago at home against the Chargers or this week on the road against Washington. So I think right now Atlanta's a team that's got to shake themselves out of a rut, Vinny. You know, this was a team that was in first place in a division after that win against Carolina. And then you look up now three straight losses later, and uh, that's not the case. And so um, Washington really is the story here. Uh, this is a team now that has improved its mark to seven and five, uh, won five out of their last six games. This was a team that was all but left for dead when Carson Wentz went down with an injury uh, back weeks ago against Chicago. And now this team is streaking and uh, really in the wild card hunt. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep it going. And I think they can. You know, I think uh, a lot of times, Vinny, when these teams uh, get down earlier in the season, leadership is important. Uh, the change at quarterback, though, is really what helped them. Carson Wentz just simply was not doing a good enough job. Taylor Heineke is now the guy, and uh, I think he's going to stay there for the rest of the season. I do not see Washington as a big-time threat in the NFC, but confidence um, and momentum are real things, and that is what Washington has right now. They're coming in every week, playing extremely confident. They have a ton of momentum, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, if they can continue their winning ways. Uh, man, you talk about fumbling at the goal line. New Orleans lost to San Francisco 13-0. to If I'm a 49ers fan, I'm worried about this off. You mean to tell me with Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayu, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle, that you can only muster up 13 points? And so, uh, look, this San Francisco defense is real, as evidenced by the shutout. Uh, right now, San Francisco has maybe about a four, five, or six-game stretch this season right now, where they have not given up a touchdown in the second half. And so, I mean, this defense is playing lights out, top five in the NFL, keeping them in every game. But, you know, after San Francisco made the big splash with bringing Christian McCaffrey over, this offense is just not getting it done in terms of points. I mean, with that much talent on offense, they should never be scoring less than 24 points. And so, you know, if I'm a 49ers fan, uh, I, I like room to improve. But, I mean, this offense has got to put up more points, plain and simple. Uh, another big loss for the 49ers, their backup running back, Elijah Mitchell, uh, who just returned from an ACL injury about two weeks ago and had been playing extremely well next to Christian McCaffrey. He's back out injured again with the knee six to eight weeks. And so I think that's the other thing, like I said, to hit on for the 49ers. They're another team, seven and four, leading the NFC West, trying to make a playoff run. They've got to stay healthy. As for the Saints, you just came away from that game disgruntled. The opportunities were there. Uh, Alvin Kamara, your star running back, fumbled the ball two times, one of them on the goal line. Uh, you had three opportunities in the red zone. You come away with zero points. So if you're a Saints fan, if you play for that Saints team, I think it's just going to be hard at this point after every loss to pull yourself 
yourself back up uh, every week and compete. I think the thing that really would help the Saints a lot, they've got a huge division game this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like I said, because Tampa Bay, who we'll get to in a second, is on top of their division, but their record is five and six. These other teams like the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons are still within striking distance, only being one game behind in the win-loss column. Uh, I'll segue right over to Tampa Bay, Cleveland. You know, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, to me, it was right on schedule. It may be when I seen this game come up on a schedule, Vinny, I said, you know what? Last year, Tampa Bay had a very similar situation. They came off a bye week. They went out to Washington and they lost that game. And I think me and you talked about this on our show last week, Vinny, that um, on your show, Vinny, last week, that it is not how it used to be 15, 20 years ago when a team would get a bye, which the purpose of the bye is for you to one, get healthy. You basically have two weeks into your next game. So the purpose of a bye is to one, get healthy, uh, to number two, get fresh, get refocused, and then it gives you two weeks to game plan for your next opponent. So, I mean, these teams 15, 20 plus years ago, they would come off a bye week and steamroll over whoever they played next for the most part because they were fresher than the other team, they had two weeks of preparation, and they were ready to roll. Nowadays, man, these teams come off of these bye weeks, and I mean, they're sluggish, they're slow out the gates, they're rusty, it's just not the same brand of football, and right on schedule, that's what we've seen out of Tampa Bay. Another week of just going through the motions, inconsistent on defense, offensively not sharp. Tom Brady, not sharp. Still under unable to run the football. And so uh, the general consensus is that Tampa Bay um, will be better, even if it's by one game, over Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. But if they are not careful, they are going to mess around. And this NFC South is a division where only the division winner is going to get in. All these teams, and it would not shock me if even a division winner has a losing record. So if you're Tampa Bay, again, you are just playing with fire right now because you cannot afford to lose. And like this week, when you are playing a division opponent against New Orleans, you must get that win. As for Cleveland, I think it's just a moral good uh, victory for them as far as the playoffs are concerned. Like a lot of these teams, Vinny, are mathematically alive. If you look at their record, if they were to win out every game, they certainly stand a chance. But for the Browns, inconsistent, too little, too late in my eyes. Uh, Nick Chubb continues to do his thing, up over 100 uh, rushing yards and a touchdown to seal the deal. One of the best in the business. The big news this week coming out of Cleveland is going to be the return of quarterback Deshaun Watson. But again, the Browns just mediocre this year, not good enough. Um, There's talent on that team, but they just have trouble stringing together victories. You talked about the Bengals in Tennessee. That was a very interesting game and the game, honestly, that really is starting to show me something about the Bengals. And I talked about Cincinnati in the beginning of the year, Vinny, and my thoughts were, I wasn't concerned about their offense. When you looked at the trajectory and improvements of quarterback Joe Burrow, you looked at all the talent that he had around him on offense. Joe Mixon, that running back, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that wide receiver. I had no question marks about their offensive production and what they'd be able to do in terms of putting up points. My concerns were their offensive line. Could that improve? That was the big Achilles heel about this team last year and why they found themselves in so much trouble. I think the verdict is still out on that. I don't know if their offensive line is improved or how better it is, but I know to begin the season, it was much maligned. I think that's an area you want to watch out for. But I said the key to Cincinnati's success was ultimately going to be if their defense was going to play as good as it did last year. Uh, Joe Burrow and the offense got all the credit. And it's funny, Vinny, we talked about this on your show last week as well. Last year during the playoffs, it was franchise quarterback Joe Burrow, the face of the franchise, getting all the credit, getting all the accolades for Cincinnati advancing in the playoffs, but under the radar. And what was the biggest engine to drive Cincinnati to last year's Super Bowl was their defense. When you looked at their playoff games in every single game against the Tennessee Titans, three interceptions against the Las Vegas Raiders, two turnovers in the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs, three turnovers in the Super Bowl, put them in position to win with two turnovers. So I said if the Bengals defense could play as well as it did last year, that ultimately is going to what's going to help Cincinnati's chances. And I think we've seen that uh, on the road at Tennessee. Listen, last year, Vinny, Cincinnati went to Tennessee, knocked them out of the playoffs. So you know that Tennessee had this game circled on their calendar. We're waiting for this one when they really wanted, and Cincinnati was able to take away the tight red and butter, and that was running back Derrick Henry. They held him to 37 rushing yards. They held Tennessee to 16 points, and that game was played in Tennessee. You also continue to see how Joe Burrow continues to be one of the better clutch quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's what it's really about at the quarterback position. You can play as poorly as you want to, but if you need to make your money on third down conversions, you need to be able to bring your team back 
from double-digit deficits. And Joe Burrow really showing how tough as nails he is with another last-minute drive to win that game. So uh, I think Tennessee is still a very good team and in firm control of the AFC South. But that was an impressive victory for me with Cincinnati on the road. Uh, not much to talk about. Miami-Houston, the Dolphins offense continues to roll. Uh, all, all Everything hitting on all cylinders. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. They play the 49ers this week. That should be a huge game out in San Francisco. As for Houston, at this point, uh, nothing is expected. They're just continuing to see what players they're going to keep for next year. They should already be scouting and looking at uh, what they're going to be doing in the draft in the offseason because, again, they just flat out don't have enough talent on that team to compete week to week. And at this point in the season where, you know, it's a little over a month left, you know you have no shot at making the playoffs. Uh, just very difficult to come out and compete on a weekly basis. Chicago at New York, two backup quarterbacks there. Justin Fields for the Bears missed that game with a shoulder injury, the one he suffered the week before against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you look at the New York Jets, uh, quarterback Zach Wilson, who we talked about last week, uh, sat this game out. Mike White came in at quarterback, 310 yards, three TDs. Uh, he spent some time playing last year, Vinny, when Zach Wilson was hurt. He's just a better quarterback right now at this particular point in both of those guys' careers. Obviously, with Zach Wilson being drafted number two overall in New York, having so much invested money in him, uh, they're going to have to give this guy a chance. But I think when you just do the eye test, you look at Mike White's performance last year when Zach Wilson was out. You look at Mike White in the one-game sample this year, and he's just a better quarterback in terms of his feel for the game, his arm strength, his accuracy, understanding what's going on. Now, we will put an asterisk by this game because it was against the uh, Chicago Bears defense, which is one of the worst in the NFL. I certainly would like to see Mike White uh, against Buffalo's defense, against the Patriots defense, and that's the defense that gives the Jets the most problems. So I would not, I'm not one of those people who are jumping on the Mike White train and automatically thinking this one game sample, he's the savior in New York, because I would like to see him against Bill Belichick's defense. That's really what this is about. But at least for a week, New York was able to get some positive momentum going back in their building. And that's what really what that was about. They needed that after that loss last week um, against the uh, Patriots on that deflating punt return. Carolina and Denver, things just getting worse for Russell Wilson and Denver. Uh, just, just man, just a team right now that uh, really is having a difficult time coming out week to week. They're another team, Vinny. Playoffs completely done. Uh, uh, just, a, just, just, it's just hard. You know, this was not what was expected from Denver uh, this year, and for them to be this sad, um, it's just a hard pill to swallow for a lot of a lot of people uh, on that team. And you'll be able to speak in a minute, being a fan. But it's just you've now heard that it's just been wrong from day one with Russell Wilson coming over to the team, um, not being a team guy. Right at this point, you've heard that he he just wasn't one of the guys. You know, uh, when you join a football team, especially a new team, it's really a fraternity. Uh, he didn't he didn't want to go out with the guys after after practice for beers doesn't want to socialize with players off the field uh it's kind of the feeling of he's too high and mighty you know he's mr corporate he's married to sierra he's got all these corporate deals and you know let's not forget there were a lot of hard working players on that team and russell wilson comes over and immediately gets a 250 million dollar check and so his performance is not matching that at all uh their head coach certainly has a lot to do with it he's in his first year he's having his struggles and then ultimately uh when you look at that the biggest mistake although it was for the good was Denver not playing their starters in the preseason uh in the preseason Denver new quarterback Russell Wilson along with a, new, a, a cast of new offensive players they never played one single down together in the preseason and I think it showed uh from day one that just rusty and being off key and you look up and it's a disaster in Denver I'm pretty sure they can't wait for this season to be over fast enough as for Carolina um good victory at home again not scaring anybody but for a week a lot of these teams at this point especially in front of your home crowd any victory uh is a feel-good victory you'll kind of take it week by week I think your disappointment this week Benny was the Baltimore Ravens going out to Jacksonville uh being stunned losing that game uh you sit and look at how that turned out Jacksonville a game-winning drive uh where they converted a two-point conversion to win it as opposed to going to overtime with an extra point and you know Jacksonville we know they're a young team that is trying to turn the corner new head coach this year I think it's just a good feeling of optimistic the biggest thing you like is Trevor Lawrence their second year quarterback who was last year's number one draft pick he looks leaps and bounds better so I think if you're a Jacksonville fan like some of these losing teams Vinny you know sometimes it's just good to know that hey even though my team's not the best even though we don't have a chance at the Super Bowl at least when I watch my team play from week to week it's resembles somewhat of a uh competitive product and I think that's what we're seeing in Jacksonville for the most part not pretty all the time still a young team that makes a lot of young mistakes but you know found a way at home this week to give the fans something to 
cheer for. As for Baltimore, I highlight there. And I'll just start by saying that uh, I'm not sold. You know, Lamar Jackson, this Ravens offense, it, it's not doing it for me. You know, when I look at Buffalo, I look at Kansas City. Uh, they're the cream of the crop in the AFC. I think after that, things are wide open. And I think this is where Cincinnati is creeping into a situation of where Baltimore currently stands and has a firm hold of. And, you know, you just look at Baltimore, tons of talent, but it's the injuries uh, that have really killed this team. And for me, Vinny, I can't ever give Lamar Jackson a fair assessment because he does not have the weapons around him to succeed. I mean, that's just the way it is for me right now. I know that Baltimore can run the football, but ultimately you're going to have to pass. And for a lot of these teams, this is no knock or shade on Lamar Jackson, but we see this year in and year out with Tennessee that you know what? We know Tennessee can run the football down your throat with Derrick Henry. We know that they have a great defense, but time and time again, when the running game is not there, Ryan Tannehill, especially now without A.J. Brown, doesn't have the weapons at wide receiver and in the passing game to succeed. And I'm seeing the same thing with Baltimore. You know that, they, sure, they can run the football, but when they can't run the football, you just don't see Lamar Jackson in this passing game getting it done. Some of these times it's on Lamar. This week again, wide open receiver down the field. He misses for a touchdown. A couple weeks ago at New Orleans, this is the part of the game he's got to work on. When you look at Josh Allen, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, there's a reason for so long that Aaron Rodgers was, was regarded as a top quarterback in the NFL. When these guys break containment or scramble away from pressure in the pocket, you have to be able to throw the football accurately on the run. And Lamar Jackson, a couple weeks ago, receiver wide open. Lamar on the run, and he throws it behind the guy. So some of these things are on Lamar Jackson. Some of the other things are just injuries right now. Rashad Bateman, their top receiver who they drafted last year from Minnesota, he's gone again for the rest of the year. Running back J.K. Dobbins, he's out right now. Isaiah Likely, promising tight end, he's on the injured reserve right now. So I just don't see the weapons in the passing game for Baltimore. And I just have a feeling that their season, like Tennessee, is going to end the same. That You're going to come to a point where you can't run the football. Your defense can only do so much. Their secondary, speaking of Baltimore, is still very shaky. And so I just see similar results, and it's got to be frustrating. I didn't see the specifics of it, but I guess uh, Jackson got into some type of uh, tit for tat with somebody on Twitter who was implying that after the performance he put up uh, in their loss to Jacksonville, he didn't deserve to get paid his money off in the offseason. And Jackson replied, and I think some of that pressure is certainly weighing in. Uh, Los Angeles versus Arizona. Look, Vinny, the NFL is a game that's a matter of inches. It is one possession games, despite how it may seem. I mean, you look at some of these scores this week, 23 to 17, Cleveland over Tampa Bay, 20 to 16, Cincinnati over Tennessee, 19 to 13, Washington over Atlanta, 28 to 27, Jacksonville over Baltimore, 40 to 34, you know, Vegas over Seattle. I mean, a lot of these games are one possession ball game. And I'm leading that into Los Angeles Chargers beat Arizona 25 to 24. These are two other teams, Vinny, just like Washington and Atlanta that week in and week out find themselves in these close ball games. Sometimes it works out for the better. Sometimes it doesn't. This time, uh, Los Angeles was able to get out of there with a one point victory. But both of those teams are who they are. Very good in terms of the name power and talent that they have on their roster. But between coaching and play calling and decision making, and it could even be work ethic. Neither one of those teams are good teams. These are very talented teams who are solid, but neither one of these teams are good. And it was a great game, though, and uh, the Chargers able to make one play better down the stretch. I think the same holds true for Las Vegas and Seattle. Uh, Vegas trying to trying to keep hope alive uh, right now. Two-game winning streak. Josh Jacobs was obviously the news of that game. 303 total yards, had the 86-yard touchdown run in overtime to seal it. Uh, if you're Seattle, you're starting to lose some momentum now. Seattle two weeks ago and firm control. I shouldn't say firm control, but sat atop of the NFC West at six and four, uh, six and three. Now they're six and five after a two-game lose, losing streak. Went out to London and lost to, to uh, Tampa Bay. Germany and lost to Tampa Bay. You come back home and give up 40 points to the Raiders. So now some question marks about Seattle, who have built a lot of momentum up. Kansas City continues to do their thing, sitting atop the uh, AFC right now at nine and two. We just know again, I'll just keep saying week in and week out, Patrick Mahomes is just a winner. He knows how to get it done. They have a great program that they're running over there in Kansas City. As for the Rams, they are done. You can stick a fork and a knife in them, Vinny. Uh, after this week's loss, uh, outside of already, Cooper Cup was out for the year with an injury. They cut running back Daryl Henderson, quarterback Matthew Stafford. He is now done for the year. They're going to be running with a third or second string quarterback. Wide receiver Allen Robinson is now done for the year. After this game, uh, a defensive tackle, all pro Aaron Donald, high ankle sprain. There, He's likely done for the year. So just forget the Rams. They are 
are so blessed to win that Super Bowl last year because their team is absolutely nothing. And then last night on Monday Night Football, I think that all but shot the chances for Indianapolis making the uh, making the uh, playoffs. Pittsburgh going in there 24 to 17 victory. It'll be surprising to see either one of those teams make the playoffs. Uh, I think that was just a good game because you had two average teams playing. If there's anything to take away from it, this is all about Pittsburgh. We know Indianapolis is a team. It's just desperate. Uh, they've been trying to find a quarterback to replace Andrew Luck for quite some time. Obviously, Matt Ryan, not the answer. So they'll be back fishing for that in the offseason. This is all about Pittsburgh. Their rookie quarterback, uh, Kenny Pickett, and fans just getting the fans and the organization and the team just getting a chance to see him improve week in and week out because that is really what the Steelers organization is about now. Unlike Indianapolis, after Ben Roethlisberger, they have their franchise quarterback and Kenny Pickett, and uh, it's just time for him to continue to get better and develop. He'll be in a much better position to succeed next season. Absolutely, and this was definitely one heck of a crazy week, and most definitely a lot. Of, there's a lot of change that need to be made in a lot of these teams, and um, I look forward to um, uh, week 13. So, uh, what are your predictions for week 13? What do you see going on? <sighs> You know, pulling up the schedule here, Vinny, uh, we're starting off with a great one. You know, Buffalo is at Detroit. Uh, excuse me, Buffalo is at New England. Like I said, this is this is much for a lot of these teams, Vinny. You know, a lot of these teams right now uh, heading into week 13 are like four and seven, five and six. Um, you know, mathematically, like I said, they're still alive. So this is all about New England. Uh, tough task. Buffalo has really had the Patriots number over the last two to three years. Hard to say how that one shakes out, but that's going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch this one. It's going to be exciting down here in Atlanta. You got Pittsburgh coming to town. Uh, a lot of Steelers obviously live in this melting pot of Atlanta. So tailgate is going to be a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely be down at the game. And I expect another close one. I mean, like I said, if these Falcons, you can't say that you are, that they don't keep you entertained. I would be surprised if this is not another game that goes down to the wire or is a barn burner. Um, Green Bay at Chicago. Green Bay must win. Jacksonville at Detroit. Uh, both those teams, like I said, Vinny, right now, it's this is must win territory. I mean, if you're a team that is has a shot at making the playoffs, it's it's went out at this point. So I mean, literally now, that's what's making every game good. I mean, I think with the exception of Houston, um, Indianapolis. I mean, like I said, they're Cleveland. I mean, there's a couple of teams that are done Denver, but um, these games are going to be good because their playoff implications, the ones that are sticking out, uh, and I'll get with you online because I don't be getting pressed for time, yeah. but Washington at New York. So like I said, right now, New York, I believe is seven and three or seven and four. Uh, uh, Washington is seven and five. That's a division game. Whoever comes out of that game, a winner is going to increase their playoff chances. You have to love Tennessee at Philadelphia. Tennessee rolling right now. I mean, Philadelphia rolling right now. You got Tennessee coming the town. Um, it just be interesting to see how Baltimore rebounds at home against struggling Denver. Um, you have Kansas City and Cincinnati, and that game's in Cincinnati. So that's a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, uh, the one that Cincinnati took from Kansas City. So that should be a great one. Um, Monday night football, like I said, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, playoff implications on the line. The big one for me, Vinny, I can't wait to see is going to be the Miami Dolphins in San Francisco 49th. I think that is the game, one of the games of the week that everybody's going to be having their eyes on and it should be very exciting because right now Miami on a six game winning streak San Francisco on a four game winning streak I think it's fair to say Miami's offense is right up there as one of the hottest in the NFL and for sure you can say the San Francisco 49ers defense is top notch in the NFL so I think that's going to be a very exciting game too absolutely and uh of course Lance as always you know I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here every week it's fantastic so uh real quick before we wrap up where can people find you on social media yes and I thank you so much for the opportunity and platform I certainly hope that uh, for yourself or for our listeners uh, not talking your heads off too much but I appreciate the platform and just having the uh, freedom to uh, go through these games and, and talk football with you guys and just try to really uh, fill in out a lot of blanks and give some different perspectives uh, things that you may not hear on everyday TV and media uh, you can find me on Twitter at NFL exporter facebook.com forward slash NFL exporter Lance Goodman on Instagram if you're here in Atlanta uh, make sure to join our football club that is at UFCATL, stands for Ultimate Football Club ATL. And then the website where they can give you easy access to all of those social media platforms. If you go to www.nflexporter.com, that's spelled N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R-T-E-R.com. If you go to that website, that's my official home and hub. You can hear my weekly podcast, including the uh, segment we do here on the Boochcast. And also at the top of that page, it has the logos for Facebook, 
Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Click on those logos. It'll take you directly to my page. Give me a follow. I certainly love to talk more football with you on any of those social media platforms. Again, if you live here in Atlanta, please make sure to join us on our Instagram page. We'll be having more live events after the new year. And then, uh, of course, if you need any help with fantasy football, your advice or gambling advice, please make sure to give me a hit as well. Absolutely. And Lance, uh, once again, man, thanks so much for joining. We'll definitely talk next week. Okay, for sure, Vinny. Thank you, as always, for having me on. All right, you're welcome. All right. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, you can see the uh, male soap opera moment will be available uh, on the Boochcast uh, Facebook page. It's been done into clips because um, away Wednesday and I had to record it because of my unexpected trip to WrestleCade. I had to send him a bunch of things and he edited it together made it look beautiful. Uh, but you can see all the clips of that on the Boochcast Facebook page so be sure to check them out. And of course there will be a recap of WWE Survivor Series coming soon to the Facebook page as well. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We'll have some Dark Side of the 90s episodes coming out very, very soon. So be on the lookout. Subscribe now so you can check out all the fun content. And of course, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast as we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 28th for the WWE Royal Rumble. That's right. It'll be our first stop on the road to WrestleMania. We got the Men's Royal Rumble and the Women's Royal Rumble match as well as any other matches that show up on the card. But make sure to join us on Saturday, January 28th on Twitch to find out who will win each Royal Rumble and who will be main eventing nights one and two of WrestleMania 39. Also, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another fun special treat that we have in the works. Also, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. Uh, we have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 dollars per month and our third and final level which is a mere $9.99 $10 per month you have the option of paying with a credit card or with gpay and the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity we used to upgrade our equipment we used to bring in bigger name guests pay the bills and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success so if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.